Welcome to the Business of Psychology podcast, the show that helps you to reach more people, help more people, and build the life you want to live by doing more than therapy. Today is the first in a series of podcasts that I'm going to do on what needs to be in a psychology private practice business plan. So as you're probably aware, given the name of my community, the Do More Than Therapy community, I'm really passionate about the idea that if you're setting up a psychology private practice, you need a business plan and it needs to have more than therapy in it. Many of us stumble into private practice as an add-on to an already busy NHS or other public health role. And it's really easy for us to assume that all we do is rent a room and use our existing skills. Many talented clinical psychologists, therapists and counsellors are then shocked to discover that they don't make much money from their private practice. This is very much my personal story. So about a year ago, I went full time in my private practice and was really busy with clients, but I wasn't making much money. I didn't have any flexibility that I needed to fit around solo parenting with my two children And annoyingly, I found myself with absolutely no time to do the community psychology interventions that I was really passionate about. And there was nobody who was more surprised about that than me. So I've been in private practice for two years now, and I spent pretty much the first year trying to get to that point, trying to get myself a full client load. And as soon as I did, I realised that it was actually impossible to be there for my kids um, while seeing that many clients. So I noticed that I was pretty much heading for financial, creative and emotional burnout. Uh, And I invested in business coaching to try and figure out how on earth to make that right. Now, that was totally eye-watering. Anybody who has downloaded the Psychology Private Practice Business Plan template uh, or read my blog on the subject will see that I had to pay a lot of money for that business coaching. And I had to overcome huge money mindset issues that will be the topic of a future podcast in order to make that investment. But it was the best decision that I've ever made. Uh, so I've put some of the key learning points uh, that I learned from that journey into the next few episodes of this podcast. And today I'm going to focus on three key areas that you need to think about when you're setting up a psychology private practice or when you're reviewing your business plan and thinking about your direction for the next year or so. And those three key areas that we're covering today are your mission, your mindset, and I'll also talk a little bit about the structure of the business because although I actually don't think that's hugely important, I know that it gets a lot of us hung up, including me at the beginning. Okay, so let's start with the exciting bit. Let's start with your mission. What do you actually want from your private psychology practice or a project that you're starting? So often we set off into a venture without being really intentional about what we want to get out of it. However you run your practice, whether you're full-time or part-time, I guarantee it's going to have you working more hours than you ever did in the NHS. Often when I speak to people who are setting out on their private practice journey, they think that life is going to be less stressful than it was in the NHS. Unfortunately, that really hasn't been my experience. My experience is there is a huge amount of need out there for private psychology work and that actually it's quite diverse. I've got a really complex caseload. Um, I have a mix of insurance and self-pay clients and there's a really good diversity in that. And for me, that's that's good news um, because I kind of reluctantly left my NHS work. I wasn't necessarily looking for a more simple caseload. 
But I think it did take me by surprise how much risk I'm having to manage, um, how many systems I need to put in place to keep myself safe and my clients safe and how much paperwork that generates. I certainly haven't found it easier than working in the NHS. There's also roles that you need to take on that you probably didn't anticipate taking on at the beginning, like marketing, business strategy, uh, even outsourcing stuff means that you become a manager. Uh, I've got a VA and I've got somebody that helps me with social media and I've got somebody that does design work for me. Now, I don't actually employ any of those people. They're all freelancers, but I still have to do a bit of management in that it's me that coordinates all of that stuff coming together. It's me that has to give feedback about, you know, whether things are going in the direction that I imagined. Um, there's an awful lot of skills which I've had to develop in private practice, which I didn't learn in training or in my NHS role. So that's a lot of hours, basically. But the good news is that many of those hours don't feel like work to me. And the reason they don't feel like work is that I'm really passionate about the purpose of my practice. So it's really important to get your mission clear if you want to feel fulfilled rather than drained by the hours that you're going to put into your private work. So I found that the following questions helped me to figure out my personal and professional mission in my practice. So firstly, what is the change that you want to create in the world? And secondly, what is the change that you want to make in your life? And what I recommend to you is to write out one or two clear mission statements that sum up the impact you want to have for other people and then write one that puts into words what your work needs to provide for you and your family. So these are my examples. In my private practice, I want to help solo parents to parent confidently through hard times in life. I'll use my therapy and writing skills to do this. So that is the core of my private therapy practice. And that's what I wrote down when I set out on that journey. Now, I also have this other side to my private practice, which is this community and this podcast. And my mission statement for that is that I want to help psychologists and therapists who want to have big impact, but feel stuck and don't know how to get their projects off the ground. I use my writing, marketing and coaching skills to do this. Now, finally, and I really urge you not to miss out this kind of statement. I have a statement that sums up what my private practice needs to do for me and my family. And it's so easy for us to miss out this part. It's so easy for us to put all of our thoughts and all of our energy into what we want to create for other people. But actually, if we do that and we don't think about what we need to create for ourselves, it's really, really easy to become burned out and resentful of your clients. And that burnout is going to be a topic that comes back over and over again in this podcast and I'm actually going to get an expert on to talk to us about it because even though we all learn about burnout in training so often all of the messages that we get from society about how we need to be completely selfless how money is dirty we don't want to think about it they actually put us on a path where burnout is completely inevitable um, so I digress but this is my final mission statement I want to create a life that allows me to live my values. The things that I value most in life are health, being present with my family and creating social change. My business will help me to have more of these in my life by giving me financial freedom, 
flexibility in my hours and the ability to reach people who find it hard to access NHS services. So those are my mission statements. Now, I've come up with a template to help you to create your mission statements because I know this is something I really struggled with in the beginning and I've used a lot of business plans. I'm a bit of a geek. Anyone who knows me knows that if I start something, I do my due diligence. I look around for any government templates. I did a few business courses and so I've been through loads and loads of business plan templates. Um, but I ended up creating one myself because none of them had at the heart what was really important to me. None of them had these mission statements and I need reminding of them all the time. Um, I, I use them to remind myself to keep things on track in my business, to make sure that I'm not spending hours and hours and hours on a Facebook ads campaign that doesn't actually link to any of my values or help me towards my mission. I only spend time on things which are linked to these mission statements. And if I can't see the link, I will say no to it. I will not do it. And that's another way to guard yourself from burnout. So do check out the templates. Um, you can download them. They're part of the Psychology Private Practice Business Plan template. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes so that you can download that and start yourself on the journey to building a private practice that actually fits with your value. Mindset. Do not skip this part. Now, I'm saying that because when I started out in business, I did not understand the value of looking at my own mindset. I thought that it was massively woo and just full of people talking about energy and chakras and a load of stuff that I just didn't really believe in as a scientist practitioner. But now I've completely changed my mind. I think it's completely essential. So I hope that while you were listening to the last bit when I was talking about mission and how important it is to have a personal mission as well as a mission for others, you might have noticed and been mindful of a few things coming up for you. You know, it's not unusual that when I start asking you to think about how your business is going to make money and how much money you need to make, there might be some ickiness about that. You might feel a bit uncomfortable. You might start having thoughts about being selfish or maybe not being good enough to charge what you need to charge. Those are all really normal and I am, I'm there with you. I actually feel quite icky recording this podcast now because there's a voice in my head saying, who the hell am I to be telling you this stuff? But I have managed to park that voice. It's still there, but I don't always engage with it. And I use a lot of the tools of acceptance and commitment therapy to help me deal with it so I can keep working towards my mission. It isn't easy and there are loads of times when I would far rather hide than show up online, do a Facebook Live or make a podcast. There are loads of days when I literally want to be under the duvet, I'm an introvert and I don't particularly want to be putting myself out there. But because I've got my mission that we just created at the front and centre of my mind, I can commit to dealing with some of those painful feelings in order to make it happen. So if you're new to acceptance commitment therapy or ACT or you don't use it much in your work, the key principle that's useful here is that when we're doing something that pushes us outside our comfort zone, it's normal and totally inevitable that we're going to feel anxiety, stress or other unpleasant emotions. It's basically our mind's way of trying to keep us safe. 
if we know that we actually need to do the scary thing in order to live the life that we want to live, including serving others in the way that we want to, then we need to allow those feelings and do what matters to us anyway. There are loads of tools in ACT that can help us do this. And if you're interested in learning those, DM me and I'll happily send you some resources your way. For now, my favourite is one from Russ Harris's ACT Made Simple. Russ asks you to imagine the icky feeling as an object in your body. Locate it, find where it lives within your body. Imagine what shape it has, its texture, temperature, whether it's moving or still. Spend some time really getting to know the object, examining its colour, weight and density. And once you've done that, try sending some soothing breaths into and around the object, imagining your body softening around it and making room for it. I find this technique really helpful whenever I'm doing something scary like recording a podcast or a Facebook Live video or even creating a new business plan for a part of my business which you know makes me feel a bit wobbly when I think about it. I hope you'll find it helpful too. Please do let me know if you use that one you find it useful. You can send me a DM um, either on Facebook or on Instagram. I'm at Rosie Gilderthorpe and I'll put the links to my socials in the podcast show notes or of course you could start talking about it in the Do More Than Therapy Facebook community. Now, I also in this episode wanted to touch on the structure of your business because this is something that I know really challenges people when they're thinking about expanding their private work beyond a couple of clients in their spare time to a full private practice. And what I mostly want to say to you on this subject is don't get hung up on it. The question about what structure your business should take is mostly about what's going to happen to your profit. Now, I'm really not an expert in company formation um, by a really long way, but my research from my own business has given me some basic understanding. And it seems to me that if you're a sole trader, all your money, apart from your personal tax allowance, is taxed through self-assessment. So all you need is a separate bank account and rock solid records of everything you spend and receive and you're away. In a social enterprise, you pay yourself and others on the team a salary and then the profit gets reinvested into your business or other projects that align with the social change you told the government you want to make. There are a few different ways of setting those up and that dictates how much freedom that you have. Now, a limited company, which is the one that most people have heard of, usually involves paying yourself a salary and then taking a dividend if you make extra profit on top of that basic salary. It can be tax economical if you're making good money and most social enterprises and limited companies have the benefit of limiting your liability so your own assets are protected if the company goes bankrupt and can't pay its debts. Now if you're setting up something big involving other people it's best to consult a lawyer to get some advice to make sure things are set up well from the beginning and that you have the right formation for the kind of risks that you're taking. But in my opinion, if you're doing it on your own, it's usually best to get started as a sole trader and then look at becoming a social enterprise or a limited company once there's money coming in with which to pay an accountant. So this is going to be an upcoming topic on the podcast and I'm going to get a proper expert in to give us some advice on this subject. But for now, just don't let this stuff stop you. So long as you have the right professional indemnity insurance, my advice would be to get started and figure all that stuff out later, 
even though it feels scary and you might need to use some of the ACT tools we've just been talking about to get you through that initial hurdle. So I really hope that this episode has been useful in helping you start thinking about the foundations for your private practice. Whether you've been in practice for a while and this is about refocusing and making sure that your practice helps you achieve your missions and live your values, or whether this is a new project that you're just starting up from scratch and you've got all the freedom to be creative and get it going right from the beginning, I really hope that there'll be some value in this episode and the upcoming episodes to help you get off the starting blocks. Now I want to have a quick word about something that I'm Thank working on. Thank you so much for listening to the first ever episodes of the Business of Psychology podcast. If you're listening when this goes live in March 2020, we're crowdfunding for the Do More Than Therapy community. The Do More Than Therapy community is a social enterprise that's all about giving you the skills you need to create big impact and reach more people with your innovations, projects and community interventions. We're offering membership of an incredible community, masterclasses and all the resources you could possibly need to get started or make your business sustainable. And of course, we're also offering this podcast. So if you like what you hear and you want to join or support a movement of psychologists and therapists focused on reaching more people, come over to the crowdfunding page and see what it's all about. All the links you need are in the show notes.